This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Good morning, church. If you have your Bible, can you turn to Mark chapter 12? We're going to unpack God's Word this morning and uh, uh, believe God's going to encourage you. Our goal every Sunday is that you leave here. Uh, more excited about your life, more excited about God's plan for it, more excited about what God thinks about you, that you leave here encouraged. If you're looking for a church that makes you feel bad about yourself, this is not the one for you. Um, I would suggest you can go find another one. If you're looking for a church that makes you feel like uh, all hope is gone and we're just hanging on to heaven, this is not that church. But if you're looking for a church that says, hey, I believe that uh, life is not easy, but God is good, that we have a people that we're in this together, that hope is alive and it has a name, its name is Jesus, this is the church for you. And there's a lot of churches in the city that preach that. And we want to encourage you this morning to leave here more excited than when you walk in. Can someone say amen? Amen. Mark chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you'll see it on the screen behind me in just a moment. Mark chapter 12. I'm going to start reading in verse 28. If you're there, say hey. All right, three people. Awesome. Um, the rest of us are going to get saved this morning. Okay. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. Listen, O Halifax. The Lord your God is the one and only God. Jesus is not our way, he is the way. That line right there will separate a lot of things. That line right there uh, uh, draws a line in the sand. But I'm thankful that we have the way to heaven today. He, he says, the Lord your God. I love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Let me read that again. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look at your neighbor today. Look next to you. I love you. That was a little awkward. That's okay. We just met. Some of you are single. You're welcome. Right there. Just, just skipped like five months right there. Just figured it out. All right. No other commandment is greater than these. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to unpack this title, this thought, as I encourage you this morning as we get ready to launch into our week. Love you. You see it behind me, the slide, love you. Look at your neighbor one more time, the other side, and go, love you. Love you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you that you do love us and we love you. I thank you for every guest here. Father, I thank you for every person that calls this home. And God, we thank you that your word is alive and your Holy Spirit uh, gives us strength. God, that we're not just going through the motions. That, Father, we have relationship with you. And, God, you help us today. Father, unpack the next few minutes. Unpack your word, your scripture, to bring life to us. We don't want to check a box of religion. We want to. We want to leave here more passionate about you and your plan. Father, thank you that you're helping me as I share your word. Thank you for us as we implement your word. Father, bless our kids' ministry right now that are just loving on our kids, Father. And I thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, everybody said just so want you to know that I just think, me and Nancy talk about it all the time, we think you're a remarkable church. That's a word we don't use a lot, and I'm bringing it back uh, more and more and more, because it actually means you have to remark on something. It may, it's so amazing, you have to stop and comment. And you're a remarkable church. People talk about you all the time. And I believe next week as we go to the theaters uh, for two weeks at Cineplex, and we're back here for two weeks, and then we're back there for two weeks, I believe that we can handle it as a church. 
I think that you're a remarkable church. I see some of your, you experienced members, <clears throat> old members, uh, older members. We're going to call you experienced members. Uh, as I'm, I don't know what I am. I'm not a rookie. I can tell you that. Uh, as I get older, I just want to encourage all the ages that we have chosen calling over comfort. And we're going to show up to two services next week. Can I encourage you, double dip if you want. we got lots of room. If you want to come to one service, the preaching will be different the next service. It'll be the exact same sermon, but it'll be probably less filtered. So if you're looking for a less filtered message, because the more I talk, the more I get in trouble. So uh, by the second service, if you're looking for fun, that's probably the one for you. Uh, if you're more holy, be at the early one. Um, uh, but we got kids ministry at both. We have, uh, we have everything at both services. It's going to be a really good time. If you want to come to one and come to both, but 9.30 and 11 next week. And I, I just want to say I, I'm, I'm excited that new people are going to be walking in for a movie, kind of come early to get tickets and go, what's going on? And they're going to see our church. And though it's going to be a little inconvenience, we do well with inconvenience, don't we? You guys are remarkable as a church. I'm excited. And also next week, we're starting at the theater. We're starting a new series. You'll see the slide behind me. Uh, a new series on hope. It says, I have hope for. And you can fill in that blank. Some of you need to know you have hope for your marriage. You have hope for your future. You can have hope for your kids. You can hope for your mental health. I believe we need hope. Hope is a currency we need to spread uh, um, generously in our city. And we're going to preach for ramp until Easter. And then Easter is going to be just the climax of this series. And we're going to preach on hope. Jesus is hope. So we're going to start that next week. So if you know somebody that needs some hope in their life, they're going through something. If you're thinking, I need some hope in my life, come next week. I'm coming to both services, and I promise you, you'll leave there with hope in your heart and a, and, and a jump in your step. Can someone say amen? That's starting next week. Mark chapter 12. Here's a question as I unpack this for the next few minutes today. It says, are you a hugger? If you had to think about that, you're not. Are you a hugger? Do you hug people? There's nothing more awkward than walking up to someone that's a hugger and you go to shake their hand. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do it during the one-minute countdown here, that social minute. You walk up, and you think you're at this level of friendship, but they're coming in like this. That's an awkward moment right there. You're going for a high five. They go right for the hug, and there's that kind of a back and forth, like, what are we doing here? Okay, all right. Huggers. Huggers are interesting people. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. Um, I'll never forget this moment months ago. Uh, the great thing about our church is sometimes I meet some people on our team for the very first time on stage. And because you don't need to know me to be a part of this church. You don't need to know me to go for coffee to be a part of making this happen. And there's a guy in our church named Brian Little. And Brian was up here and he introduced himself to me one Sunday. And I was like, have I seen you before? And should you be lifting this? Because sometimes I think people are stealing gear. Because, you know, and like they're carrying a speaker the wrong way. I'm like, do we know him? Has he done next step? Someone, you know, and oh, he, that's Brian. He helps us. Awesome. And uh, so I met Brian. And then the next week he walks up to me during the social minute and uh, he, he gave me a hug, but it was like side on. And then he whispered in my ear really quietly. I don't even know this guy. He's like, I'm going to hug you until it's awkward. <laughs> and it got real awkward. I'm thinking, don't know you. I thought you were a thief. Now you're assaulting me. And then he just hugged me and whispered in my ear, I'm going to hold on until it's awkward. And he did. He's a big dude, hugged on. Brian Little. That's why I call him Little Awkward, you know. Uh, and he just held on. Uh, just held on and just wouldn't stop. And then I laughed it off and then just kept hugging. And I don't know if it was a minute or a week, but it felt like forever. And I'm like, all right, stop blowing in my ear, number one. I got I'm like, oh. he's like, so I'm like, it's been awkward for about 20 seconds, Brian, a little awkward. And I'm like, okay. And then he let go. You know, when I was growing up, I wasn't a hugger. My mom tells the story that when you'd hug me, I'd just stand there like a board. I just, I have a son just like it, and, uh, and, um, but, but I just, you hug me, I just, I do this, and you ever meet someone that's not a hugger? 
Some of you are those people, you know? Uh, if you're single, we try to help you every single week by saying, hey, give out free hugs, you know? Some of you aren't helping yourself with the awkward hugs. I'm just telling you, if you're single <laughs> and you're ready to mingle, don't awkward hug. Don't, do, don't be that guy. Don't be that. That's creepy. Don't be creepy. You know, some people are harder to, harder to love than others. Have you realized that? Some people are, aren't easy to love. Non-huggers are harder to love. Definitely harder to hug. And Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus unpacks, and there's uh, three, three people to love in this passage. Three people. Number one, it says uh, in verse 30, it says, Love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. Love God. I love how he expands on this and just doesn't say love God because the definition of love will change depending on who's on the top of the hits in the radio these days. You know, if you, depending on who you listen to, we can confuse love and lust, and, and love looks like a feeling, but Jesus wanted to define love, and he's like, love is not a feeling. He said, if you're going to love God, you need to do it with all your heart, all your soul, that's your personality, your emotions, your thoughts. He's with, with all your mind, with all your strength. I love how Jesus goes all in in that moment. He's just all in, just all in. He's like, by the way, if you're going to do this, like the most important commandment, it's not about this, it's not about that. The most important commandment is go all in with God, just love God. Love God crazy. And I want to encourage you to say, if it's a part of your life, God wants you to love him with it. If there's something you're like, well, does God care about that? No, he's all in. Well, what about this? You heard my mom and my wife talk about it. God's in your finances. God's in your purity. God's in your relationships. God's in your mental health. God's in your job. God's into your, your hobbies and your talents. God, if it's a part of your life, if it makes you who you are, God's like, love me. Love me. Give it to me. Let me take it. Love God. The second people in this passage that God wants you to love, he says he wants you to love your neighbors. Now, when I was growing up, your neighbors were the people that lived next to you, that you played ball hockey with, come on, that you would compete with your lawn and their lawn. You know what I'm talking about. If your lawn was better, now it's global, isn't it? Your neighbor is who you see and who you, uh, who you are around. We're global now. Neighbors are global. When I was growing up, you, you knew people next door and in your class and in your church. Now, we are influencers globally. You put a picture on Instagram, you got friends all over the world liking it. You, can, you, you have uh, connections with people globally. So Jesus is saying here, it's not about who lives on your street. It's those people that you're connected to. And as we grow globally in our connection, I want to remind you, God says we are to love the world. For God so loved the world, and isn't it amazing our connection with influence is growing. The old days was, hey, my neighbors were on K Street or Cabot Crescent. Now my neighbors are globally. God says you got to love them too. But the third thing I want to focus on today, it's amazing to me that God said, uh, that, which I think is actually the hardest person to love in this passage, he says, love you. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sometimes we don't see that in Scripture. God goes, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything you got. Then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Here's my thought today I need to unpack as I have conversations and meet people and walk through things. Is The reason why sometimes we don't love our city and we don't treat them with the love of God is we don't love ourselves. Because if God says love your neighbor, love your city, love your coworkers, love your neighborhood, love your classmates, as you love yourself, the challenge is many of us don't love ourselves. I'm not talking about a kind of love, taking selfies in a mirror, a prideful love. I'm talking the biblical kind of love. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, the Bible unpacks the word love. The way God loves us and how we're supposed to love others. And I want to challenge you today, even how we're supposed to love ourselves. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
Now, scholars and pastors and preachers and society calls this the love chapter. We read this at weddings and, and, and at moments of great celebration, but I want to challenge you today. I believe as a, as a church and as a culture, we are called to make a difference in our city. I'm going to say that again, just like just to like give you a chance. We're not here to take up space, to, to suck in oxygen and omit CO2. We are here for a reason, is to make a difference. I was talking to someone this week, and they're walking through this balance of some challenges in their life, and one thing they said is, I know I'm committed, I'm here for a reason, to make a difference. I want to remind you, we are all here to make a difference. We're not here just to get a job, get education, get a family, retire, and then put us six feet under. We are here to matter. You matter today. And we're called to love our city, love our world, to make a difference, but that is based on how we love ourselves. And sometimes our filter is off. And the reason why sometimes we don't connect with people, the reason why we have drama with people, the reason why there is tension and, and discord and, and hurts and misunderstandings and offenses is sometimes you don't know how to love yourself. Some of you, the, the, the voice in your head, the thoughts that you have towards yourself are anything but love. Today I want to unpack it and help somebody today because I believe we're going to love God with everything we got. I believe we're called to reach our city and our neighbors and our world. I believe we're going to be loved locally, but we're going to be known globally, making a difference. But it starts before we make a difference is to love ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to read seven verses about love today. I know it's not Valentine's Day, but it's a good day for love. Starting in verse 1. Sorry, starting in verse, yeah, verse 4. Jesus told us to love our neighbors. Here Paul picks it up. He says, what is love? Love is not a song. It's not lust. It's not a feeling. It's not wearing someone else's sweater because you're kind of seeing each other, but it's not really official. Love isn't just uh, they're the person that you're, you send the most DMs to on Instagram. They're not the person that you send the, the best emojis to. What is love? It says in verse 4, it says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. How rude. Love doesn't... <clears throat> Cheat to get into colleges. Uh, it, mm, sorry, sorry. Just working through a full house today. It's all right. If you got that, you're one of the, it's all right. Have mercy. No, 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 stop. Stop. We don't have time. Don't have time. Don't have time. Okay. <laughs> it's not in my notes, surprisingly. Yeah. It's the Red Bull. Okay. <laughs> it does not demand its own way, it is not irritable keeps no record of being wronged, does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins. Love never gives up. Oh, I like that one. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. First thing you need to know today is that the way, that's the way God loves you. But today I want to unpack this about loving yourself today. I've never preached a message on this in my 20 plus years of preaching, but I want to encourage you today, I believe we're called to reach our city. Next week, we're going to invite some people for some hope-filled church. But it starts with some of you need to love yourself. What does it mean to love you? What does it mean to love you? Well, the Bible says, first of all, love is patient and kind. Patient and kind, that means temperament and tone. Let me ask you today, is the voice in your head angry? When you talk to yourself, are you saying things like, oh, you're an idiot, you're stupid, I can't believe you did that. Love is patient and kind, which is temperament and tone. What is the tone in your head? 
Psychologists and studies say that usually the, our, our parents dictate the voice in our head. If our parents were angry at us, the voice in our head is angry. I want to encourage you. Your father, God, this is the way he sees you. This is how he loves you. But what about you? What's the voice in your head? Are you patient with yourself? It says it's patient and kind. Temperament. What's your temperament with others is probably linked to your temperament with yourself. Are you patient with yourself? Jesus died to raise you up. Stop tearing down what God raised up. Some of you, you tear down yourself in your own mind. You don't need haters. You don't need critics. You don't need any of this. You are your own critic in your mind. I can't do it. I, I, I can't believe I messed up again. I'll never be good at this. Oh, if they only knew who I really was, they don't love me. They didn't welcome me. Why wasn't I invited to that event? I don't belong here. I can't make it. And we put ourselves down. Listen, don't put down what God raised up. The Bible says love is patient and kind. Our city needs a love that's patient and kind, but you need a love that is patient and kind. Some of you need to understand your temperament and your tone with yourself. Sometimes in my head, I start talking to myself, going, what'd you say that for? Why'd you bring up full house? That's awkward. Sometimes I bring up my insecurities or my weaknesses. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm patient with my kids, but I'm not patient with myself. But I want to encourage you today, the love that God has for ourselves that we're going to replicate to our city starts with being patient with yourself and your tone with yourself. I heard one mentor say it this way, the more sensitive a subject, the softer the tone should be. So if I'm speaking softly to you, we're probably in an awkward moment. Sometimes I have to say to myself, it's all right. Get back up. God's got a plan. You'll be all right. You'll get through this. Can I encourage you today? Be patient and kind with yourself. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of love. You need to love yourself. What else does it mean to love yourself today? It says no record of being wronged. Oh, that's a big one. No record, the Bible says in, in Corinthians 13, no record of being wronged. That means scoreboard, people. Am I the only one that does this? You, you have a scoreboard in your mind for when you mess up to when you don't mess up? And you have this ongoing scoreboard. I know guys do this, girls do this. You have this scoreboard in your mind. You're like, man, man. And it drives you in this driven way to get your scoreboard up on the wins because you know how many losses you got. Man, I can't believe I said that. Oh, I got to work harder this week to get the score higher on my wins than my losses. Oh, I can't believe I lost my temper at my kids or my tone to my kids. I got to go work harder to get my wins up than my losses. Maybe it's your purity. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's your life at work. Maybe it's school. And somehow we have this scoreboard where we keep track of our wrongs and then we, we, we're driven and we're fighting and we're driven past last year. Some of you decades ago, last decade, last year, some of you last week, and you're fighting not out of a pureness to follow God, but you're trying to get your wins up because you keep remembering your losses. That's not Biblical love, that's not godly love. That's not how you're supposed to love yourself. The Bible says, keeps no record of wrongs. Can I encourage you? Some of you need to forgive yourself. Hear me today. You need to forgive yourself. Some of you have been fighting to forgive parents and loved ones, people that hurt you. But what about you? Some of you need to forgive yourself for what you did. You feel that weight in the room? It's unforgiveness for yourself. So I mean to forgive yourself for what you said. It wasn't right. It was wrong, but you don't need to carry it. Oh, there's grace, the goodness of God, but we are scoreboard people, and it causes us to be driven. And we wonder why we're exhausted. And we get another loss, and we have to fight to get more wins, and we are in this cycle of pushing and trying to get wins because we know the losses keep racking up. The Bible says love keeps no record of wrong. 
My friend, people are going to disappoint you, but you're going to disappoint you. At some point, you've got to let it go. Jesus forgave you. You should too. Jesus forgave you for your sin. You should forgive yourself too. You should. Psalm 103 verse 12 says it this way. It says, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. God forgave your sins as far as the east is from the west. Here's the thing. You can't find east. You can't find east. If we're in Halifax today and we're having great coffee because our city has great coffee, and you say to someone, hey, where's east from here? They'd say, you got to go to St. John's, the far east. You get in St. John's, go, excuse me, I'm trying to find east. Where's east? And they go, no, no, you got to go over the, as you're having some, some chests, fish and chips, you'd be sitting there going, no, you got to go east. You got to go to England. That's east. You'd fly over the Atlantic, you get to, the, get to England, and you sit and have a cup of tea, and you go, where's east? Is this east? No, no, east is this way. And as you travel to Mombasa, Kenya, having some ugali and some chai, sitting there going, hey, is this east? They go, no, this is not east. They go, you got to go east. You got to go to Seattle. You go into Seattle, you sit down and have some more coffee and open up your windows on your computer. Come on, somebody. And go to Costco. As you're sitting there going, hey, I'm trying to find east. They go, this isn't east. You got to go to Idaho. And Idaho will send you to New York. And New York will send you to Halifax. Why? Because you can't find east. The Bible says he threw our sins as far as the east is from the west means if God can't find your sins, either should you. You need to know today when God says your sins are as far as the east is from the west, I forget what you've done because I've forgiven you. Listen, some of you are playing the, the rerun, that movie on repeat. Some of you are binging the same show in your head over and over and over of your sin and your mistake. Listen, if you've given it to God, it's done. If you say, God, forgive me for my sin. I change my direction. I follow you. Let it go. Some of you need to understand he keeps no record of wrong. Neither should you. As far as the east is from the west, are your sins removed from those who love God. You love God today? Let your sin go today. Give yourself a break and forgive yourself. Don't hold on to what God let go of. People are hanging on and you wonder why you're tired. God said, let it go. And you're hanging on to what God let go of. That's good news today. Forgive yourself. What else does it mean to love you? In 1 Corinthians, it says, love never gives up and is hopeful. I can't get this word out of my head, hope. It's been brewing for a year and a half in my heart. That's one word that just keeps going to me, hope. I just can't shake the word hope. Every song comes back to hope. My, my, my word, my messages come back to hope. My conversations are hope. Why? Our city is dying for hope. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, people need to know hope is alive. Christian sang last week, if you missed last week, it was a moment. Shared the song he wrote in Peru, and it's amazing. He didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what he was doing. I wrote this, 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 this speech for the video, for our Easter video, and I wrote that there's this fog over our city and our minds. I started writing these words, and meanwhile, at the exact same moment in Peru, Christian's writing about this fog that encompasses us. I believe hopelessness is a fog. It says that real love, biblical love, it says that it never gives up, and it is hopeful. Hope lifts the fog in our lives. Jesus believes in your future. You should believe in your future. Oh, dream again. Seniors, dream again. Teenagers, dream again. Well, there won't be no money for retirement. I'm only 15. I hear there's no money. No, dream again. 
Some years said, I, I talked to one couple here, they're one of our amazing seniors, and I saw a picture from last week, and they had one of the red Nova hoodies on that our teens wear. And this person is advanced in years. I was like, you look fantastic in that sweater. And his wife goes, I got a pink one. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> Can I encourage you? Dream again. Dream again. Love never gives up. It's hopeful. When I was 16, I got my license. My son's about to turn 15, and we're talking about a year from now getting his license. When I first got my license, I was 16, and I'll never forget one week after getting my license, pulling out of a, uh, playing ball hockey with my brother, and we're driving, and I get 100 meters down the road, and I smash into a back of a car. This little car, I put its bumper in its back seat. I mean, I, I, I gave her. I pushed up, and I was aggressive, and I put the bumper right into this car. My parents are up on the scene. They're like, what happened? I'm like, I don't remember what happened. I, and I realized as I unfolded the moments, I pulled out of the parking lot. I'm getting on Sackville Drive. And as I'm driving, I realized I was so obsessed with my mirrors, making sure I could see blind spots and lanes. I checked my rearview mirror. Cars coming behind me because I didn't want them hitting me. I was so busy looking in the mirrors, I never looked through the windshield. And this car was in front of me and making a turn and hit its brakes. And I piled in the back and rode off both vehicles. And I feel like we do this in life. We're so busy looking back, we don't see what's forward. The, everything about the gospel, Paul says, I press on, I move forward. Everything about love is hopeful. So many of us are so busy looking in the mirrors of our life, we can't see what God wants to lead us to down the road. I want to encourage you. Mirrors were never meant to show what's, what's ahead. Stop looking down and back. Look up and get up. The love of God says, look up, get up. So let me tell you today, when you love yourself, stop looking back. That marriage didn't work. Yeah, it didn't. If I could go back, I'd raise my kids differently. You can't. That business I thought, no, it didn't work. I can't believe I said that. I messed up. I'm known as that woman that did that. I'm known as the guy that did that. I know. Listen, if you spend your life looking in the mirrors, you're going to put your life into a ditch. Look up. Get up. Get your head out of the mirrors and look in the windshield. God has more for you. You need to know this for yourself. We can preach it to our city, but we've got to live it for ourselves. Look up today. Get some hope in your life. Dream again. I'm dreaming. About to turn 44. And we make it look good, kid. Mm. Older I get, the tighter my pants get. I'm not sure what that's about, but I got dreams. I got dreams for relationships, for my kids, for my wife, for my friends. I got dreams. I got my, I'm not looking back. I got dreams for my family. I got dreams for my friends. I got dreams for this church. Oh, we're going to have a building someday, but not yet. Next week, we got a movie theater. Awesome. With arcades and popcorn. Awesome. I got dreams for this church. You got dreams for this church? I do. I got dreams for influence, reaching the world. We're gonna be a church that's loved locally, but known globally. Influencers are gonna come here, not to, to look good on Instagram or Facebook, but go, no, no, I wanna influence my city. Some people only come here for six months to get built up and then go and make a difference in business and education, in the arts and culture. Why? Because I have dreams to change the world. Look up, get up to, you got dreams for your kids? I got dreams for my son, I'm already telling him where he's going with his life. I'm like, you, you don't got a plan yet? I got one for you. He's like, Dad, you just want me to go to New York because you want to live vicariously through me. I'm like, I know, and I'm going to pay for it, so I'm right. I got dreams for my kids. I got dreams for my marriage. I got dreams for my life. I got dreams for my health. I got dreams for my finances. I got dreams for our worship team. 
I got dreams for a worship album. I got dreams for a building. I got dreams for our youth ministry. Get some dreams for your life. Get some dreams today. This city needs to know the love of Jesus. Do you believe that today? The love that says it doesn't tear down, it builds up in every street, in every back room, in boardroom, in bedroom, every classroom. They need to know that this love doesn't tear down, it builds up. They need to know this love is forgiveness for the past. That your past does not determine your future. It doesn't. When you've given it to Jesus, you're forgiven, you let it go. This city needs to know that this hope, that this, that this love is hopeful for the future. Doesn't matter who's in government, doesn't matter who's in your school, doesn't matter who signs your checks, you have hope beyond a man or a woman. You have hope for the future. But before we can show it, we have to know it for ourselves. You wonder, are you reaching your city? Maybe you need to reach yourself this week. You need to say, you know what, it's okay. Let it go. That conversation, that relationship didn't work out. Give it to God and move on. Get your head up. Get up move forward. Forgive yourself. Watch your tone with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Purity is a process. Thank God I'm not where I was, but I know I got further to go. Some of you, you're walking through some things. Listen, get rid of the scoreboard. Give it to God. Purity matters, but it's not out of works. It's out of God. I want to live like you. I want to be like you. God, thank you. You forgave my mistakes, and you're giving me strength for my tomorrows. But before we can love our city, we got to love ourselves. Love you. Love you today. Can we all stand to our feet today? Can we sing that song again? Can we worship that song? We need to raise a hallelujah today. That word hallelujah is not a church word. It's more than that. It's actually a groan right here that says, I gotta praise God. When you understand how God loves you, this kind of love, you can't help but go, oh yeah, I'm in. God, I'll love you my heart, my mind, my soul, my money, my kids, my future, my past. I give you it all. Why? I'm all in. Why? Because that kind of love. I have to praise God. Hallelujah. If you just bow your head for a moment, I'd be amiss today to talk about the love of God and not give you a chance to know the love of God. Some of you don't know God. You don't know Jesus. You heard about us talking about loving our city and loving ourselves, but the first step is loving God, and that is knowing God. You can know God, not church. Church is an expression of our love for God. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know that you're forgiven for your past. It's not about self-help. It's not do better, think better. It's about God coming in and saying, hey, I'm not trying to make you better. I'm taking dead people and making them alive. You were dead in your sin. You were dead in your pain. You were dead in your past. And Jesus came in and said, you, aren't wor- you don't think you're worth it. You didn't work hard enough, but this is a gift from me because I love you so much. And he lifts us up. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, that he forgives our sins, and they raise Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. Today, you're like, I don't know Jesus. I want, I want, this relate, I want forgiveness from heaven because that's the only scoreboard that matters. And Jesus goes, let me wipe out the scoreboard and you win when you follow Jesus. If you say, Mike, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. We're going to pray in just a moment. And a new life will happen in your life. The old is washed away and today is a new day. I know of a day. It's a new day. All over this place with every head bowed just for a moment. You say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. I don't know Jesus. I've never prayed this prayer. Or maybe you used to follow Jesus and you walked away. You're like, Mike, I want to know God. I don't know God. I don't know Jesus. I don't feel forgiven. I haven't prayed this prayer in a long time. Or I've never prayed this prayer on the count of three. I want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. One, two, three. Come on, I thought you just raise your hand real quick. Put it right back down. I see that hand. Thank you. Put it right back down. People receiving the love of God right now. I see that hand. Put it right back down. Come on, I'll wait one more moment. Anyone else with every head bowed? 
You say, I want you to pray for me today. I want to know God and be forgiven for my sins. Amazing. The love of God that wipes away the past and ignites the future with hope. Can we pray together? Repeat this prayer after me. Everybody in the room, let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you love me, that you forgive my past, that you speak to me with kindness, that you have a plan for my life. God, I follow you. Jesus, I give you my life, all that I have. I love you with everything I am. Come into my heart. Make me alive. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, can we round of applause today? The rest of us, come on, let's sing this song. This is our, this is our altar call today. You're saying, Mike, I don't love myself the way God loves me. As we sing this song and you raise a hallelujah, a miracle will start to happen. Are you ready for this? Come on, let's praise God because he loves you today.